You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfont, and we are back with another episode of Nest Talk on this fine Wednesday afternoon. It's about 1.10 on the East Coast uh, on March 20th, 2019, and today is the 30th episode of Nest Talk. So we've made it a long way and hope to keep going further. Uh, the NFL is a league of change, and change we have here in Baltimore We've got a string of moves to talk about for the Ravens, some retirements to make note of, and other odds and ends to clean up for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and the first story I want to dive right into here today is that Baltimore Ravens longtime special teams coordinator and assistant head coach, or associate head coach, Jerry Rossberg, is set to retire in June. Jerry Rossberg came in with the Baltimore Ravens uh, in 2008 when John Harbaugh just started his staff out. Harbaugh knew that bringing in Rossberg would be an essential piece for this Ravens team, and essential he was. With the Baltimore Ravens, Jerry Rossberg created one of the best special teams units in the league, developed into one of the best coaches in the league, and a lot of people considered him to be the best special teams coordinator in the entire NFL. Other people thought he would eventually get an NFL head coaching job following John Harbaugh's footsteps to be a you know, special teams coordinator to a head man gig, but that never panned out. Um... Jerry Rossberg never got that opportunity. He stayed in Baltimore, where he was happy as not only the special teams coordinator and associate head coach, but a good friend of John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh, in that press conference to announce Jerry Rossberg's retirement, mentioned that Rossberg was one of his best friends. So this is not only a loss that the Ravens are going to feel for a little while, but John Harbaugh will feel as well. He attributes much of the team's success to the work of Jerry Rossberg, and I'm with him on that. Jerry Rossberg had a huge impact on this team, not only in special teams, but that veteran coaching presence to help Harbaugh, especially in those early years. It was very important to have Jerry Rossberg on this team. Um, some of the better special teams units he built, obviously you have the Wolfpack and Sam Cook, Morgan Cox, and Justin Tucker, the three big special teams players, but you've also got gunners uh, and special teams players like you know Anthony Levine uh, in there. The Ravens also had uh, some, some of the best return games in the league for a while with Jacoby Jones. Uh, for those few years he was in Baltimore, was an excellent return man, uh, an overall great player for the Ravens. Um, but now Jerry Rossberg is moving on, and the Ravens have tapped special teams assistant Chris Horton uh, to be the next special teams coordinator. Chris Horton was a former NFL player, special teams guy uh, out of UCLA, uh, Played a few years in the NFL, the Ravens had a chance to face him, and when Coach Harbaugh learned that he was trying to coach at UCLA for a little bit, he contacted Horton and got him to bring uh, his talents to the Ravens. Has been with the Ravens for the past five years as a special teams assistant, so this move definitely will help uh, the Ravens keep consistency at the special teams coordinator position. Same in-house guy, he's already been working with Jerry Rosberg, of course, and uh, the entire special teams unit. So Chris Horton, I think, is a good hire for the Ravens to be the special teams coordinator. He's young, he's in his 30s, a fresh mind uh, with the tradition, and that experience with Jerry Rossberg will help the Ravens tremendously. Now, what will also help the Ravens' special teams tremendously is they went out and got a player that they can rely on to be a special teams monster, and that is Justin Bethel, former cornerback of the Arizona Cardinals and one year with the Atlanta Falcons. 
Uh, Bethel is a three-time Pro Bowl special teams player. He made the Pro Bowl uh, three years straight, actually, 2013, 2014, and 2015. Uh, and he's a, he was a first-team All-Pro in special teams twice, 2013 and 2015. Um, this signing is actually pretty funny because the Ravens, you know, were trying to get a hold of him, but apparently had the wrong number. He changed his phone numbers. So um, they actually got Tony Jefferson, his former teammate in Arizona, to give him uh, to give the front office his current phone number so they could contact Justin Bethel and make sure he ends up in Baltimore. Um, and I really like this signing. Uh, you know, a lot of people underrate what special teams can do for the Ravens, um, but the Ravens have made a, a living really off of special teams. And Justin Bethel is going to be a guy who's going to help them, you know, get better field position and stuff opponents back um, further, you know, from the 50-yard line, stiff them back in the uh, the, the back of, of uh, their field of play and really try to, um, you know, win that field position battle that is so crucial for special teams units and overall crucial for NFL games. A lot of people underestimate, you know, where you start on the field you know, it's going to have a huge impact on whether or not you score that drive. So if the Ravens can keep opposing offenses starting within their own 20 and, you know, getting out past their own 25, uh, you know, when the Ravens' offense wants to go, uh, they're going to be a lot more successful. Uh, and the Ravens want to make sure that they have this commitment towards special teams right after Jerry Rossberg retires here, want to ensure that, you know, he can come come in here and help this team, Justin Bethel, that is, with a new special teams coordinator, and they're just going to load it up and be ready to go um, this September. Um, they're not going to pay him a lot of money, obviously. We haven't had the full details of the contract. All we know that it is a two-year contract. Terms, don't know yet. Um, no monetary value has been released by anybody. They've been, kept this one pretty close. But I don't really think it'd be anything over $3 million per year, $4 million per year at the absolute max. Um, so I assume they got a really good deal on this. And Eric DaCosta, I think, has made some good moves so far as general manager. We'll see if he can continue these moves uh, down the stretch of free agency here now that we've moved on from the big-name targets into the smaller guys, the guys who aren't getting a whole lot of hype around them, still a lot of value out there on the free agent market and as we head into the draft season. Um, but, you know, a Raven, you know, once a Raven, always a Raven, is something the Ravens like to say a lot. The Baltimore Ravens, John Harbaugh says it all the time. Um, and, you know, a once Raven has retired, and not just a once Raven, but a nine-year Raven, uh, Haloti Nada, one of the best defensive tackles this team has ever seen, just retired from the NFL, actually climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa, uh, one of the tallest mountains in the world, to announce his retirement. He announced it from up there with a picture uh, of him on Mount Kilimanjaro with a sign saying he was retiring. Haloti Nada played for the Ravens uh, for nine years between 2006 and 2014, was a dominant defensive tackle for the Ravens, a lot of people think he's going to end up in the Ring of Honor. I'm not really 100% sure that he will end up in the Ring of Honor, but he would be an excellent addition to it because he is, you know, pretty deserving of it. Uh, five Pro Bowl selections uh, in those nine years. You have a first-team All-Pro twice in 2010-2011, second-team All-Pro 2008-2009-2012, won a Super Bowl with the Ravens, Super Bowl 47, of course, that magical run. Uh, stemming from, you know, Baltimore against Indianapolis to Denver to New England, all the way to New Orleans to beat the, the San Francisco 49ers, was a part of that defense that helped the Ravens win a Super Bowl. And the stats with the Baltimore Ravens, pretty darn good uh, for those nine years. You have 282 solo tackles, 167 assisted tackles, 51 tackles for loss, 25.5 sacks, 74 quarterback hits, 
And of course, the infamous breaking of Ben Roethlisberger's nose, that was Haloti to do that. Um, the Ravens loved Haloti when he was on this team, but after the 2014 season, the Ravens realized they couldn't hold him forever and had to make a move. Uh, the Ravens ended up trading him to the Detroit Lions because of his cap space and what he was going to entail for them. Uh, I believe they got a fifth-round pick or something like that from the Den- uh, Detroit Lions, uh, and he played there for three years. He played there between 2015 and 2017, uh, but after his three years in Detroit, he decided to play one year in Philadelphia, which he did last year in 2018. Uh, didn't have a huge impact there at all. Only played, um, you know, specific snaps. Didn't get, I think, more than 17 tackles in total. Um, so Haloti Nada definitely slowed down his last year, and he decided to call it quits after this year. So eight, nine years with the Ravens. Um, another four out there, 13 years total. Uh, pretty good career for Haloti Nada. Not a, I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer, um, but he is one of the best Ravens to ever play, and I would not be surprised if he ends up in Baltimore's Ring of Honor in the near future. Um, moving on now, the Ravens. Um, not only say goodbye to Haloti Nada in the league, but they're going to say goodbye to two of their own players who they've had on the roster for the past few years now, um, and that is Jalen Hill and Bram, Bam Bradley. Uh, Jalen Hill, cornerback, Bam Bradley, uh, inside linebacker. Both these players were undrafted free agents in 2017, uh, and neither were able to really live up to the promise we saw in the 27 preseason, uh, 2017 preseason, I should say, um, they were both pretty dominant in that preseason. Um, I really have to say uh, they did fantastically well, and I thought they were going to be good players for the Ravens, but injuries mounted, and they, you know, they both came into the league the same year. They both end up you know, with basically the same injuries or similar injuries, and they leave at the same time, too, for the same reason. So this is kind of interesting here. Um, again, both were preseason standouts, but they were both cut by the Ravens on Tuesday. Um, each looked extremely promising. But injuries did kill them. Uh, you have Jalen Hill tore an ACL and his MCL in towards the end of his rookie year. Uh, didn't get a whole lot of playing time. I think he had some other injuries as well. But that's the one that's going to put the nail in the coffin for him uh, for the rest of his time in Baltimore. And Bam Bradley has the same injury, basically. ACL tear in week two of his rookie year of 2017. So Bam Bradley was the first to go out, and he never returns to the field for the Ravens, and neither does Jalen Hill. Uh, both these players start... The 2018 season on the pup list, physically unable to perform list. Uh, neither hits the field. Um, and just on Tuesday, they both failed a physical. And the Ravens decided that they couldn't wait any longer for them to be healthy and released them. Um, this doesn't free up a whole lot of money, maybe a million dollars in total. Um, but it will free up two roster spots for the Ravens to look at other players with. Um, I expected Jalen Hill to be cut by the end of this offseason. Whether that be before training camp, after training camp, I didn't know, but I did expect him not to be on the team in 2019 uh, for the for the season. Um, you know, mainly because they signed Justin Bethel. I knew automatically Justin Bethel, even though he's more of a special teams player, uh, he's going to take Jalen Hill's spot. Jalen Hill hasn't done a whole lot, you know, as a cornerback, barely has ever touched the field uh, for the Ravens. So Justin Bethel coming in, he's, if he's in the same spot as Jalen Hill, not touching the field, being more of a special teams player. It's going to be fine for him uh, and the Ravens moving forward. I was more surprised about Bam Bradley. I thought that Bam Bradley, you know, looked good in that 2017 preseason. I thought that he might develop into a good inside linebacker, and especially with the loss of C.J. Mosley, the Ravens are going to be looking around, you know, every po- uh, possibility at inside linebacker here. Um, but Bam Bradley is not going to be their answer. Uh, Bam Bradley's injury too much. They feel like he's not going to be able to continue down this line. 
and they make the cut on him. Um, I was, again, surprised by this, but after this cut, it makes it apparent to me that the Ravens will probably add a free agent inside linebacker within the next few days. Uh, I don't have a source on this. This is just my own intuition, basically telling me that I think the Ravens will go after a inside linebacker here. I've heard they've had interest in Brandon Marshall, formerly of the Denver Broncos, and I also believe that they will attack Zach Brown, formerly of the Washington Redskins. I don't believe either of those players have signed with a team at the time of this recording, um, and both of them would you know, provide a ve- veteran presence on that Ravens uh, inside linebacker team that should be able to allow the Ravens um, some flexibility, and that veteran presence will give the Ravens an opportunity to get guys in here who have been in these situations before. Won't be the caliber C.J. Mosley would be, but they'll have that experience that Mosley has and maybe be able to pick out some things that the younger guys, like Patrick Onwaso, like Kenny Young, would not be able to do. Uh, speaking of young guys, I want to talk a little bit about Chris Moore. Um, Chris Moore has been hyped up not only by me, but by other people for a couple of years now. Last year I was convinced that he was going to break out, go for at least 500 yards, and become one of the better receivers the Ravens have drafted in previous years. Uh, but that didn't happen for a variety of reasons. The Ravens didn't give him a whole lot of playing time versus the trio of John Brown, Michael Crabtree, and Willie Sneed. Um, and when Lamar turned the off, got the keys of the offense, um, weren't passing as much anymore, wasn't as effective uh, as with Joe Flacco. Um, but John Brown took to Twitter after he left the Ravens and basically said that the Ravens' best receiver... It's not Willie Sneed, it's, and it wasn't him, and it wasn't Michael Crabtree, it was Chris Moore. He believes that Chris Moore is the best receiver on this team, end of last year too, and he should get more reps and more targets and more catches next year. Um, and I have to agree that he should get more reps and more targets. I think Chris Moore is being undervalued by the Ravens. But is Chris Moore going to break out in 2019? I mean, this is a question that I've been asking for a long time now, on when Chris Moore is going to break out, because I was convinced last year it was probably going to be the year he broke out, but didn't seem to come into fruition last year. Again, for a variety of reasons, but Chris Moore, um, look, he, he I think, has the size, the speed, you know, the hands. You see some of the amazing catches he pulls off. Uh, just last year, he had a really amazing catch against Pittsburgh, right? Um, he's 6'1", he's 200 pounds, he's got the build for it, um, but is he going to break out? I can't definitively say it, but I will say that I think it's probable, and I say it's probable for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, right now he's number two on the depth chart at wide receiver. I 100% expect the Ravens to add a wide receiver in free agency if someone comes available, in the draft if they can get somebody high in the first two rounds, You know, assuming they trade up back in the second round, which I still think they'll do. You know, If they trade down with the first, they might you know trade into the second, get a second round pick, who knows or just trade up using those two fourth-rounders and two third-rounders they currently have. Um, I think that the Ravens are going to add a wide receiver, a capable wide receiver who is going to be able to you know, be a potential number one the first, next, first few years. Um, if that's the case, and I do think it is the case, Chris Moore will probably fall to number three in the depth chart. But even if he is number three, he's going to be out there for quite a few plays, right? Um, he'll be on the outside. He won't be in the slot because that's where Willie Sneed's going to be. So he'll be you know, the outside wide receiver. Um, So he'll get a lot more playing time than he did as number four last year. Um, With that said, the second point I want to hit is Moore's catch rate went up tremendously last year. Chris Moore um, 
was a guy who dropped a lot of passes. You know, not exactly, you know, not a terrible receiver, but he wasn't great. Um, he had a lot of drops over his career. Um, but last year, you know, he really picked that up. Um, he only caught 43.8% of passes in 2016, 474 in 2017. But in 2018, he picked up 76% of his, the passes thrown at him, was targeted uh, 25 times, caught 19 balls for 196 yards uh, and one touchdown as well. Um, I honestly think that, um, well, number one, that's a huge improvement, but I also honestly think it's very important if he, he is going to um, get more time on the field next year and assumingly more targets because if he's going to be catching these targets at a high rate, if he stays in the 70s, maybe goes up to 80, which would be pretty darn good for a fourth-year receiver, um, then he's going to be a breakout wide receiver. If this trend continues and he gets more playing time, he will be a breakout receiver. Now, both these trends have to happen. Uh, he has to be a number two or number three. If the Ravens add two two wide receivers they value in front of Chris Moore, this isn't going to happen. Um, and if he um, only catches, you know, if he catches less than 70% of those balls, uh, it's probably not going to happen either. He's got to stay efficient with a larger workload, and he's got to get that larger workload, whether he has to beat people out in training camp or just assumes it because the Ravens really don't have a whole lot of wide receivers anyway. Um, but again, I think he'll end up being number three on the depth chart because the Ravens will at least add somebody big in free agency if there's a salary cap casualty, or they will go into the draft and pick maybe an A.J. Brown, a Nikhil Harry, uh, or even a D.K. Metcalf if they really want to take a risk. Um so, you know, he'll have an opportunity, I think, next year. And he's got to come in with the right frame of mind, which I think he will, um, and, you know, get the job done. Um, yeah. Um, but moving on now, uh, we got RG3 uh, still on the free agent market. What's RG3 going to do? What are the Ravens going to do a backup quarterback? Uh, RG3, I think, still is the best backup quarterback option for the Baltimore Ravens on the market in 2019. Um, there's really no reason to go get anybody else. There's no reason to go into the draft and get anybody else if you can get RG3. Uh, he fits this offense perfectly. He's been around this personnel, the coaching staff. Everybody knows on this team already, basically. Uh, and he can do what Lamar can do. Maybe he's not as fast as Lamar, but he's got the same skill set as Lamar Jackson. You want to have, you don't want to go and get another Joe Flacco, right, to be your backup. If you're moving to a Lamar Jackson offense, you want a guy with the skill set of Lamar Jackson that can run with the ball, that can pass the ball effectively. Uh, and what's good about RG3, he's been in the league a long time, knows what he's looking at on, on the plays, uh, defensive sets, uh, and he can still you know, coach Lamar Jackson and, and, and be a mentor towards him. Um, he's obviously not going to be getting a starting job anywhere anytime soon. Um, if someone offered him to be a bridge quarterback, I'm sure he'd take it. Uh, but I think that he's going to end up looking for a solid backup job I believe this is the best backup job for him. I think the Ravens are just trying to, you know, let him test the market, see what's out there, uh, and come back on a deal soon. Um, because, again, he is really the best option for them at backup quarterback. He fits this offense perfectly. Uh, and we saw when he had to come in for Lamar Jackson a few times last year, he was capable of leading this offense. Um, I have nothing really else more to say about RG3. I don't think he'll get a huge deal anywhere, uh, maybe $5 million at the most per year. But I think the Ravens could probably resign him for three to four million dollars per year as a backup quarterback. Um, 
and and really roll with him as that backup quarterback and have those two quarterbacks on the roster moving forward. Um, no reason to let RG3 walk unless he gets a huge deal from somewhere, which I don't think it's going to happen. Okay, speaking of people walking out of the AFC North, uh, our last big story of the week, Vontez Burfecht is cut from the Cincinnati Bengals. He is out of the AFC North, finally. Uh, Vontez Burfecht was a tremendous thorn in the side of basically everybody for the past few years. Um, a really, like, I don't want to call him a dirty player, but, you know, he really is a dirty player. He's a guy that's going after people's knees, heads, you know, trying to get people injured, and, and he'll probably deny it, but how many times you have to see him do things that, you know, are really questionable to wonder if he's a dirty player or not? He just goes after people, uh, and the Cincinnati Bengals basically held him on for way too long and, you know, tolerated this behavior from Vontez Burfecht, but finally uh, they allow him to, to get out now, and he is heading to the Oakland Raiders with his now new teammate, Antonio Brown. Uh, you may realize that this is going to be a problem because he is the one that knocked out Antonio Brown. I believe it was the 2016 or 2015 playoffs. Uh, he knocks out Antonio Brown cold on the ground, right? Antonio Brown was doing a crossover the middle, and Vontaze Burfecht comes up and just smacks him in the head with his helmet, and Antonio Brown was out. Now both of these players are on the same team. They've had bad blood for a little bit. How is this going to work out with, with John Gruden at the helm? I have no idea. Um... I feel bad for Philip Rivers, for Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, and the and the rest of that division. Everybody who's got to face them. Joe Flacco, actually, I feel really bad that he has to deal with Vontaze Perfect again, uh, because you know Vontaze Perfect is going to come at people uh, with a vengeance, and he's not going to care if you get injured. So um, I don't know why the Raiders want to pick up Vontaze Perfect. I personally not would never have signed Vontaze Perfect, but the Raiders are in rebuild mode. They're trying to add talent. And we'll see how that works out in that locker room with Antonio Brown and, you know, Vontez Perfect and how John Gruden can hold this all together in 2019, if he can hold it all together. Uh, before we wrap up today's show, I do want to talk a little bit about the draft prospect of the week. No longer doing free agents of the week again because, well, free agency is basically closed now, um, except for, the, you know, lower tier players uh, that are going to get picked up between now and the time of the draft. Um, this week I want to talk about Garrett Bradbury the center-slash-interior offensive lineman or guard from North Carolina State. I think Garrett Bradbury could be a huge pickup for the Baltimore Ravens if they get to draft him in the first round of the NFL draft this April. Uh, why do I say that? Well, he is not only 6'3", 306 pounds, but he's got 31 and 3 fourths inch arm length, uh, huge hands, 10 and a half inch hands, and his combine stats are phenomenal here. 34 bench press reps. Uh, a 4.92 40-yard dash, so you know he's got a little speed for an offensive lineman, uh, especially interior. He's got to have that speed to, you know, if he's going to play guard, get those swing blocks, you know, and, and make those moves, you know, to lead the offensive lineman. I'm sorry, the running backs. Uh, and, you know, you can also see that in his 20-yard uh, shuttle and three-cone drill with that 4.53-second 20-yard shuttle, 7.41-second three-cone drill. Um, also, he comes in with a 31-inch Vertical jump and a 104-inch broad jump. Just a phenomenal athlete to be playing interior offensive line. I think he's one of the best interior offensive linemen in the draft. Um, Eric McCoy is also up there as well. Uh, so, you know, I think if the Ravens have a chance to draft him, he would be a big pickup for them. I do plan on doing a prospect review soon on Garrett Bradbury. Uh, so stay tuned to BaltimoreFeather.com for that. 
That wraps up this week's episode of Nest Talk. Again, this is Nest Talk episode 30, recorded uh, on March 20th, 2019. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Nick Sparber that we had on the Goal Line Stance podcast again last weekend. Uh, it just came out today, uh, so you can check that out. Uh, you can go to the podcast section of BaltimoreFeather.com to check it out, or you can hit up the YouTube channel. Uh, it should be on iTunes by the time this comes out as well. So you can go on uh, iTunes and grab Go Online Sands Podcast. And we are coming to Spotify soon. We're just working out some of the kinks there. Um, but you can find Nest Talk on Facebook or Twitter. Just search up Nest Talk or at Nest Talk on Twitter. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and pretty soon Spotify to get all of the latest updates for the Baltimore Ravens. And, of course, this podcast itself every week on Wednesday. Uh, you can follow me at Chris Linfont on Twitter and make sure to visit BaltimoreFeather.com for all the latest and greatest Ravens news and opinion articles. You can also find Baltimore Feather at Be More Feather on Twitter or search up Baltimore Feather on Facebook. So that will conclude today's episode of Nest Talk. I hope you enjoyed. Everybody have a great week. Until we see you next week, I'm Christopher Linfont signing out.